Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. All right, so I got to confess that this is, I love the first Sunday of the year to gather and to, to kickstart it with, with Jesus at the center, but it, there's always a sadness factor to me for me because uh, it's also the day that you, you officially have to remove all the Christmas stuff or you become a Christmas hoarder. Uh, and so all the Christmas things have to go away. And not only does it, do I just, I, I'm such a Christmas fan that, that it's sad when it's not there, but then I still haven't figured out a way to go like this and have all the lights come down. So I'm trying to find the Christmas clapper, but uh, I have to go out there and do it all. But uh, uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, a few things to, before we even start off our, our series, I, I just want to say uh, welcome back to some, some friends who for different reasons have, have not been able to be here. So I know, I don't know if he's in here right now because he usually serves out there, but, but George Lockhart is back with us and uh, what a blessing it is to have uh, George and Sue back and then Alan and Teresa. So good to see y'all. Uh, and it's good days for you horns too, right? New days ahead. New days ahead for the horns. Uh, uh, and then I know uh, Mary's somewhere in here, but I didn't get to see where she is. Uh, Mary's somewhere in here, but welcome back home, Mary, uh, uh, being here with us uh, today too. Um, and uh, and then just some uh, uh, housekeeping stuff, not not in a negative way, but like uh, you saw Josh and Kayla Peterson doing the uh, announcements for us. Uh, if you didn't hear um, a couple weeks ago that Josh is going to be our new worship pastor, uh, and so uh, they're, 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 because baby Melody's on the way, um, uh, she'll be arriving hopefully early, because uh, it seems like she's coming early trying to get in this world because she wants to be a Texan as quick as possible, like all smart people, um, and uh, so we'll have them here with us, and it was great to see them. I did not know they were French, though. Uh, I didn't know we had a foyer, but... Uh, <laughs> So they're French. I didn't know that. Uh, so we hired French people. Uh, if you're a Texan, you call it four. Uh, and then if you're a normal person, I guess you call it a foyer. But uh, it's just so many, so many syllables. So I just say four. It's in the four. Uh, that's just what you say. I'm excited to kick off our, uh, and Josh and Kayla, I know you're watching. So uh, it just comes with the territory of being on staff. You get mocked until you're here. Uh, and then when you're leading that with that guitar, nobody can make fun of you anymore because everybody's like, that guy's voice. Um, we're kicking off our, our series, uh, Radical Faith Like Jesus, and we'll be doing this series all the way through the end of February, uh, and that will also include our, our Unstoppable Missions Conference that comes near the end of February, uh, because if you're going to have a radical faith like Jesus, you better be on mission, uh, and we believe in missions here at Hill Country Fellowship. No matter what the world tries to throw at us, uh, we're called to go into all the world, out these doors. In our, in our county, in our state, in our nation, and then around the globe. And so uh, I'm excited that even this series is going to encapsulate the, the Unstoppable Missions Conference that happens, uh, I think, the third week of February that, that's coming up. Um, but uh, before we get into the, the series here uh, and really step into what we're looking at today, uh, you know, today's sto- today we're talking about a couple different stories that, that are pretty crazy stories. And I'm sure that most of us in our life can... can can recall crazy stories we've lived out or crazy decisions we've made. Uh, sometimes we make crazy decisions and they're right on. Uh, sometimes we make crazy decisions and it's like, who in the world were you listening to? Uh, I remember uh, years and years ago uh, when I was in missions, 
we were on, on a mission trip, and we were uh, over in Asia. We happened to be in, in South Korea at the time, and, and so we, we, made a, we made our way up north near the DMZ up there, uh, and, um, and so we're in this one town that will remain nameless that's uh, famous uh, there uh, on the DMZ, and a friend of mine who I, I should have known better, but like, like he's the kind of smart that makes me look like a Bill Gates type smart, so, uh, but he had a suggestion, and I'm like, sure. Uh, he said, we should go walk out of the city and see if we can find a gap in the fence and sneak into North Korea and just pray for it on site. And I'm like, that sounds good. So we went, and I'm thinking, partly I'm thinking there are not going to be any gaps, you know, in the fence. But then again, we are like, it's North Korea's fence. So there's probably lots of gaps, too. I shouldn't have thought. But we found a gap, and we thought, well, let's just walk in it. What can happen going into a communist country with nuclear capabilities, right? So it's a smart decision. So we snuck in. Or walked our way in. I don't know which way you do it. Uh, and, then, and then we get yelled at by people with guns. Uh, at least on the good side, the South Korean uh, army officials were yelling at us something we couldn't understand, but we figured they wanted us back uh, because we couldn't speak their language. I'm like, does no comprende work here? I don't know if it does. Uh, all was, they just kind of were basically like, you're live, no international incident. Thank you, American, for not dying. Now go away. That was basically the whole thing. Uh, so sometimes we make crazy decisions. And we should have known better. And then sometimes there are these bold, radical decisions we make because Jesus says, come on. I remember, um, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but it was actually during a missions conference when I was on staff in Alaska. And we had this one pastor from Northern Ireland there, and he worked for a, a big church uh, organization, and he kind of had it made in a lot of ways. Uh, he was living in Belfast, Northern Ireland at the time, and I remember me and our senior pastor and, and him, we were having um, Chinese food at a Japanese restaurant, which, I don't know, do you remember that? I, I didn't like that place, but, and it wasn't good this particular day either. But I remember uh, my friend Peter saying this, we're eating all our, our, our fried rice, and, and he said, what, what about you helping me plant a church in the western part of Ireland? And, and right away, you know, I, I thought, that's, that's an invitation from Jesus. Now... We're in Alaska. Ireland's nine hours away from us. Um, the western part of Ireland, like Ireland itself is 94% Irish Catholic. The western part is about 102% Irish Catholic. And we're going to plant an evangelical church with a guy from another country uh, over here. And, and it was like, yes, let's do that. It sounds crazy and adventurous and wild. And so... Within a year, we planted a church in Western Ireland with this friend of ours, and, uh, and, and it's still doing amazing things, and, and people are loving Jesus, and, and they've had their ups and downs, just like probably any church in, in the world, and, uh, and they're in a place that's not really happy about evangelical Christianity, uh, even though they're a peaceful nation for the most part. They don't like that kind of uh, life coming into a, a place that's religiously bound, but, but Jesus invited us. And when Jesus invites you to something, you say yes or you disobey Jesus, the creator of life. So this series, we're stepping into this radical, the faith like Jesus. We need to realize it's because we're saved by Jesus, every relationship we have, every action, every endeavor that we step into should look as if it's actually Jesus doing it. That's 
a radical life in Jesus. If I look like Jesus and I sound like Jesus and I love like Jesus and my relationships are like Jesus is having those relationships and, and all the things that I, that I purpose to do, if it all looks like Jesus, I'm living a radical life. And if it doesn't look anything different than the world around me, I'm choosing a ho-hum, pointless life. And so radical faith like Jesus is living out the faith that we profess to know. So it's a faith like Jesus and we're looking like that and people see us in perfectly perfect representations of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? We're already not yet. Both and. I'm, I'm perfect and righteous and holy and blameless according to God. At the same time, I'm on the potter's wheel being made holy, perfect, righteous, and blameless by God. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. We become the very image of Jesus one degree at a time, one degree at a time because we follow him and believe in him. So our goal in this whole series is to be so transformed that we live in a world with purpose to see Jesus change everything. And then we live out of that with a love that flows from heaven itself. That we have this love for others that's truly indescribable. That when people look at us, they're like, that seems radical. Because the word radical means... Well, it's uniquely different and it's very, there's something very loud about it. It's not that we're loud obnoxiously, but we're loud because eternity is on the line for people. For me, my eternity is not on the line. I'm found in Jesus, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, and I'm saved by Jesus. But for those who don't know him, well, their eternity is on the line. And so he came to seek and save the lost. And then when he left, he said, now you do that. You do my job for me. I'm granting you and I'm commissioning you, and I'm calling you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually empower you to do my job on planet Earth. It's just instead of me walking around by myself, I'm going to save billions and then send them out. So let's pray as we step into looking at a couple stories today. We're going to look at the story of a believer and the story of an unbeliever in the gospel and how they made radical choices to have a faith that looked like Jesus. Father, we thank you for this new year. I thank you for your faithfulness to us, that you are always faithful, that you will never not be faithful to us, and we can trust you in that. You are trustworthy, you're one that we put our hope in, and you will never disappoint. And so I pray that, that in, on this day that we would be transformed by you, and in this series, Lord whether it's week by week or at the, end of the, uh, at the end of February when we've kind of taken it all in, whatever it is, that we would be absolutely transformed from what, who we were when the new year rolled in to where, who we're going to be as March rolls in, that you would transform us into beautiful, pristine images of Jesus himself. We would live out radical lives and have a faith like Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. First story we're going to look at is in Matthew 14, it's a famous story that we've all probably heard, or most people have heard, about, uh, about Peter walking on the water. Uh, they had just fed the 5,000, and, and, and so Jesus sends them in the boat across, across the Sea of Galilee, and he knows the storm's coming, and he sends them on their way. And in verse 24, after Jesus had sent the disciples across the sea, it said, Meanwhile, I always love meanwhile in the Bible. Meanwhile, during the massive storm on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Jesus had stayed. He was praying. For a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. 
About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Period. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they knew it was Jesus right away. And like, giddy up. No, right? They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Actually, the, the original says, the I am is here. Jesus walked on the water and they were freaked out. And he said, the I am is now here. They knew that name. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. So Peter went over the side of the boat. He stepped out and he walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. He shouted, help. I'm going down. Anybody have a help I'm going down in, in 2020, right? You've, we had those, help, I think I'm going down, or we're going down, or it's going down. Jesus is okay with us asking for help because he's the only one that can help. He loves helping you and I. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? What got into you, Peter? See, Peter lacks confidence. In Jesus, he trusts too little here. It's underdeveloped faith and it's basically just living to die kind of faith. And, and I don't know if he, Jesus is like instructing him as he's pulling him out of the water or when this was. I don't, you know, we probably all had those moments we've been like hurt, you're bleeding, and your parents are like, now if you hadn't been throwing rocks at one another and you're like, I'm bleeding and there's something hanging right here. It's like, can you instruct me and correct me uh, after the fact? But sometimes in the midst of the, the bleeding and the pain, it's a good time to learn a lesson. When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples, then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed, you think? Uh, yeah, this short interaction here probably felt pretty long to, to Peter himself. But this, this short interaction here, it, it underscores the greatness of faith in the life of a believer who follows Jesus. I mean, because Jesus speaks to little faith and doubt and and, and not trusting and, and something distracting us. See, Jesus gives us the power to follow him, even in adversity, even in the storms of life. He's always going to give us the power to follow him and do what he calls us to do. And Jesus here, he encourages us, just in the story here, you see the encouragement of Jesus to live adventurous lives. Not some namby-pamby, need the world to love me and, and care for me and appreciate me and give me the thumbs up kind of life. It's, it's an adventurous life found in Jesus, not some life that says, man, the world thinks I'm awesome. Because those are going to be the two battles we face. My spirit, transformed by God, is going to want to live an adventurous life in Jesus. My flesh, which is opposed to God, is going to always want to either live the world's way or find the world's accolades in my life. And that's the great civil war we battle on planet Earth. We battle it every day of our lives in some way, shape, or form. And all that stuff that the world offers, it burns one day. It will not be eternal. Stepping out of the boat is the only way to live for something that's eternal. It's the only way to live in a way that says, I, what matters most to me is the eternal in James chapter 2, he writes, uh, 
you know, James is a straight shooter, and he doesn't, I don't know if he didn't have a lot of, like, ink or whatever, but he got to the point right away always when, with what he wrote. And in James chapter, chapter 2, he, he writes in the second half of that, of that chapter about faith without works and how it's useless. Um, and he explains it so well. My favorite explanation for, for faith without works being useless is, is found in the, in the message paraphrase. And he says this in those, in those verses there. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this life or in this, talking about life, this life of faith, if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come across an old friend, he's dressed in rags, he's half starved, and you say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Spirit. And then you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good, brother. You take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works. Not so fast, James says. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. It's like a, a glove without a hand in it. It's just listless. It's like a hat without a head underneath it. It's just there. And then he goes on to talk uh, in verses 19 through 26 about how faith creates actions and our actions bring perfection. It perfects our faith. And he says, do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you've done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. Yikes. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith, the full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action, James says. It's a mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? The same with Rahab the Jericho harlot. <laughs> Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing what counted with God? Now listen to this part. This is powerful. It can be convicting or it can be encouraging. The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. We do something with our life in Christ. We are called to step into something. Loving actions, uh, the, the, the life of faith we live, the uh, telling uh, a lost person about the, the salvation offered in Jesus, living our lives beyond ourselves for heaven's purposes, all those things are a display of a transformed heart in us. God's grace given, and by faith I received it. And then I walk it out. I walk it out. And to walk it out, it takes action. 
If I'm truly different because of being saved, I'll step out and live for Jesus and for others. And James is saying here, hey, your, your faith is legitimate when the choices you make showcase the inward change that took place at salvation. In Joshua 2 that he referred to there, he referred to the story of, of Rahab, uh, you know, the, the, the story of uh, the Israelites taking Jericho when they were uh, possessing the promised land. And most people have heard that story. She's a prostitute or she ran a brothel or both, whatever it happened to be. And, and everybody in Jericho, they were, none of them were God followers, including her. Not a follower, an unbeliever. But she saw something and she's like, I, that God's going to win and I want to be on the winning team. And so she was like, what is it that I need to do? And she had an opportunity to hide the spies and, uh, and protect them so they could end up getting out of town and going and telling Joshua what was going on. But Rahab, she wasn't a God follower. Yet she willingly chose to, to trust God and what it looked like he was up to to her. He wasn't, she wasn't guaranteed. She didn't have any relationship. She had no history of a relationship with God of him coming through. She just was like, ah, I'll do this because it looks like he's going to do this. She chose to believe that what God said was true. And this choice was literally life-altering. Then, because she was saved and eternally I mean, she is written about throughout history. She's the great-great-grandmother of King David. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She's written about in, in, in different places in the New Testament. A Jericho prostitute who didn't believe God, who chose to believe God. A radical choice that she made. Her faith radically changed her future and her family's future because they were all saved. Everybody in the house stayed alive. Her reward for herself was life. Her reward for those she loved was their lives. You have loved ones who don't know Jesus or maybe they're just not following Jesus. They believe, but they don't follow. Do you, do you have anybody in your life like that? We all probably do. People we love or we're related to, uh, that maybe in our household or, or, or just so such close friends and they don't, they don't have this, this relationship with God. Perhaps your lay, life lived out radically can save them. It certainly gives them an opportunity to know Jesus. If you live out a radical life, you're going to pray for them. You're going to go to them. You're going to be there for them. You're going to speak truth into life. You're going to look for opportunities to bring the salvation message to them. But your life lived out just is going to leak and spill on them constantly. It's going to be like that, that passage where, we, where it, our, the life in us is, is pressed down, shaken together, bubbling out all over. Well, when it bubbles out, it splashes on people. So your life lived out radically for Jesus, not hesitantly hiding and, and waiting for a better day to come or, or letting the, that person, you know, like James said, you do that part, I'll do this part. It's, it's living it out loud. It might save someone in your life. It certainly will bless your life. And then your life is going to be a showcase of the work of God. The faithfulness of God connected to the choice she made to believe God, hand in glove. That's what she, her story was. See, faith has the power to save a person who chooses to follow God's ways. Always. It's a gift given, offered to us, and by faith we receive it, and then, and then we're, we're saved. 
eternally, and then we're saved along the way as we continue to believe God's words in our lives. In these darkened days, in those painful circumstances, maybe in that painful place you're in, certainly for eternity, and that doubt or confusion that you're, you're dealing with, man, His faithfulness and then the choice you make to step into truth will save you. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Of course, Hebrews 11 is a famous passage that we sometimes call it the Hall of Faith. It's all these, it, it writes about faith and then it lists specific people in the, in, in, in the Bible uh, who were men and women of faith. And Verses 1 and 2 kicks it off by telling us what faith means. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. That word confidence in verse 1, it means standing under a claim. It's a title deed that, that what we hope for is actually ours to possess. Like it's, it's a written guarantee. It's like a God contract. But better than that, it's this covenant written in the blood of Christ. And it is yours. It's not yours to earn, it's yours. It's not yours to, to get at the end of your life, it's yours. It's not something that, that well, man, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm luckier than most, I'll get it. No, no, it's, it's a title deed. That's the confidence. It's a settled expectation. You can't stop it and nothing can alter it. And, and we've got to be mindful of living out this life of faith. I mean, in the book of 2 Thessalonians, we're told that before the end comes, before the second coming happens, there will be a great falling away that one day will happen. And, and I'm sure that over the course of time, uh, people have read that and, and looked at it and been like, oh, this is the great falling away. This right here. I'm sure Nazi Germany back in, back in the late 30s and, and early 40s, probably a lot of, a lot of uh, pastors and believers thought that's the great falling away right there. I mean, when 95% of the churches said, yes, we agree with the, with the Third Reich, that, that sounded like a big falling away, right? It certainly was a, a falling away of some sort. But, but I don't know what exactly the great falling away, or some versions call it the apostasy when we abandon our faith, or some people call it the rebellion against God. I don't know what that's going to exactly look like and, and when that's going to exactly be, but we are told that before the second coming happens that people who follow Jesus will quit following Jesus. I know that's a heavy thing. Happy New Year, right? It's a heavy thing to hear, but, but we got to be mindful of it. Because I don't think anybody who ever decides to follow Jesus says, I'm going to follow Jesus and I can't wait to fall away one day. I don't think anybody has ever said that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be saved by Jesus and one day I'm going to rebel against him. I don't think anybody's ever said that. But scripture tells us that'll happen. Unless we live a radical life. Because you're either going to live a radical life of faith like Jesus or you're just not. Right. And there's no gray. There is no gray. Now things happen in people's lives whether it's trauma or a, a fear issue or something that the world throws at us or or some kind of a, a crisis of faith. I don't know. Stuff happens that gets people there sometimes. But that's not a gray area. It's still going, this trauma makes me quit Jesus. Or this crisis of faith makes me quit Jesus. 
Or, or some people can go, this crisis of faith happened. This is happening in our world around us. I'm choosing Jesus in a way I've never chosen him before. There's no gray area. Things happen because stuff happens in life. But we choose Jesus or we don't. Those are our choices. And that's, that's what he's really referring to here in, the, in talking about what we hope for will actually happen. Don't be a part of the the great falling away one day. Be mindful. Be in accountability. I mean, you're here. So I'm kind of preaching to the choir. You're doing life together. And, and maybe you're online and you're viewing because you're on vacation or you're somewhere or you're, you're dealing with a health issue and you're just being mindful and wise right now. I get that. But, but, but don't come to a place where you're healthy and capable and able and you go, I'm just going to sit in my living room. Right. Or I'm just going to, you know, read that Scripture by myself. Accountability and fellowship and life is the what we're created for. We're called to a family of God, not a lone ranger existence in God. That's real life. And again, no, no shame, no condemnation on you, but maybe conviction. And for those that you're doing it because you, you have to right now, hey, no shame, or convic- no shame or condemnation on you at all. You be wise and let us know how to pray for you. And we'll pray for you so you can get back into the, the connected fellowship side by side and, and not have to, to wait this out. I get that. It's those that are capable that say, eh, that's where the great falling away begins to ebb away at people's lives. That great reputation he talked about in, in verse 2 of the people of faith, it came because they radically chose to step out and live for Christ alone. That they chose to follow the one true God. The world opposed them. The world hated them, despised them, ridiculed them, rejected them. But Jesus was enough. And that should always be the case with us. If you need the world to love you. If you need the world to to appreciate you. If you need to fit into the world. The price is going to be an eternal one. Because the world will never give you what's eternal and the world will never really care for you. Just like the enemy. And then in verse 31, it, it actually talks about Rahab again. James talked about her. We see her in the lineage of Christ. And then the author of Hebrews says in verse 31, and I love how like they just, they just kept calling her what she once was, not because she still labeled that, but because God's bigger and he can do anything. It says, faith led the prostitute Rahab To welcome the spies as friends, she was not killed with those who refused to obey God. God's saying right there, I can save anyone. I can save anyone. And if you think it's cool and big that I can save a prostitute, wait till you see who who comes from her bloodline. Because then I'm going to get the last victory and the last laugh. At the same time, a little extra squishing when Jesus stomps on the head. We need to remember the patient faith of these legends we read about in Hebrews 11 when we face prolonged hardships, when we face our tough times we need to remember that that trials that we face are are, are not ones that defeat us, that God is the victor, so we let these trials strengthen our faith rather than destroy it radical choices mean that we do absolutely opposite of the world around us When it says this, it's not choosing Jesus, so we choose Jesus. If you want to fit in, 
with the world, you're missing the point. If you need to fit in, you're pursuing a different God. If you do fit in, would you let the Holy Spirit lovingly and graciously and, and compassionately convict you today and change you? And it's not that we hate the world. No. We, we, we love them with the same love of Christ. We want to see them saved. But, but it, I, I can love the world and reach out to them to bring them into, into, into life with Jesus, salvation, uh, and, and not have to be a part of the world. I'm in it, not of it. We hear that a lot. We're, we're foreigners here. We're visiting. And we want to bring them to where we live because it's a lot better. It's a lot better. I had a California joke there, but I won't say it. <laughs> we're faced with radical choices in life. So do you trust? Where's your hope? Our goal today would be that we'd step out of the boat towards a God worthy of trusting and believing in. There's some lessons that, that I want to share with you, and, and we don't have them all written down. Uh, in tomorrow's Daily Word, uh, on our Facebook page and on our website, these lessons are going to be there. If, if you're like, Scott, can you just send them to me? I can't wait till tomorrow. Just text me or email me, and I'll send you these. But there's some lessons about making radical choices about what it looks like to step out of the boat that I think we can really take from, mostly from Peter's life, but, but even from, from Rahab's life and her choice. Number one, look for Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. Storms will always come in your life. So what does looking to Jesus look like for you? We're going to have prayer time in a moment here, uh, right before we sing because we're going to do radical prayer every single week as a part of this series. Uh, and so as I, as I share these lessons, maybe the Lord will just highlight one for you. Maybe, maybe three or four. Maybe, maybe it's like, oh, Lord, I just, I just need to just dwell on this stuff. Um, when we go into that time of prayer and that time of, of singing and worship, just, just tell the Lord what you need to tell the Lord. Repent what you need to re- repent of what you need to repent of. Ask him to help you. I'm sinking. Grab me. He'll grab you. So what does looking to Jesus look like for you? When Jesus says to step out into the storm that's here, we either walk in his call or we disobey. So is there any part of your life where you're not obeying the Lord? Faith is simply taking the next step, and every step of faith is a radical step. Peter took one step to get out of the boat and onto the water. Rahab took one step to say, I'll protect y'all. So what is the next step that Jesus is asking you to take? It could be we're going to give an extra 1% of our treasure. We're going we're to serve in some way in our church or in our real life group. Maybe it's we're going to get in a real life group and we're going to do community outside of just a Sunday gathering. Those are real steps of faith. Maybe it's I'm going to finally tell my salvation story to my coworker. Faith unleashes the supernatural. That's why it's radical. Peter is the only guy not named Jesus to ever walk on water. He chose to do that. When all around him... When all the world's logic said, don't you step out of that boat, he stepped out. It was not the logical play, and he still stepped out. 
At the same time, fear will drop you like a rock in the water. Peter's radical choice had, had a faith like Jesus leading the way, and then when fear got his attention, he sunk. So is there any fear that's gripping or controlling your life or your decision-making these days? Faith steps out. Peter chose, and he moved. The other guys in the boat, they did nothing at all. They heard the conversation. They saw Jesus. They knew who he was, and they stayed on the boat. They did nothing at all. And finally, you can choose to worry or worship. You can choose to step out in faith or be dictated by fear. You can choose to give away Jesus proactively or hoard your salvation. You can hear Jesus say, come, or obey the world when it says stop. It's a radical faith like Jesus, or doubting that he really means this gospel life. I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to join in. And if while I'm praying, you need to pray your own prayer uh, of, of radical faith, of radical choices, you, you do that. But I really felt like the Lord gave this to me this week for us, so I'm just going to, I'm going to pray this prayer, but I'm going to read it out as, as I felt the Lord gave it to me on Wednesday. And then we're going to go into a song called, Yes, I Will. It's a response song. We're responding to the Creator, who's our Savior. He's our Lord. He guides us. The Spirit of the living God empowering us as we, as we live in this family of God where this Father adopted us eternally. That's who we're responding to when we sing. And I'm going to actually ask uh, if there's any prayer team members that are in here right now, or any elders um, and their spouses, if they could come up front, um, even during this prayer and then during this song. They'll be here for, after the service as well. Um, but if, if during this prayer or during this song you want to come up and get prayer from a prayer team member, come on. They're going to be right up here, uh, just spread out across the, uh, the altar up here. And the altars are open for you during the, the worship time. Would you pray with me? God, you are here. You've been there with us throughout every single thing we've walked out in this past year. Moments of confusion, of sadness, of victory and rejoicing, you have been there. You're with us now. You'll be with us tomorrow. You're worthy of our worship. You're the only one worthy and faithful that we can follow. We will choose to give you glory by choosing to live out this gospel. We will choose to trust you by the purposeful way we live for you and we live for others. We will live thankful lives because you are for us and in that truth, who can stand against us? And there is a power in a thankful heart. It eradicates bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred when we have thankfulness and gratitude filling our hearts. You're greater. You're trustworthy. You're faithful to the end. A life lived for ourselves is a waste of life, so we choose you now. God, help us to step out of the boat. God, help me to step out of the boat that seems safer in the storm, but it's actually a floating casket when compared to you because you call me to come. You commission me to go. And God, if we are faithless right now, if there's someone in here who's faithless right now, would you give us the faith 
that Rahab had that says, I'm going to put my life in the hands of one who is greater, even if I don't know everything. If we're fearful right now, would you give us a faith like Peter that says, Jesus, I want to step towards you, but the storm is really loud. Call to me, Jesus, and reassure me, my Lord. Jesus, will you please be close by in case I start to sink? Call me out of this place I pretend is safe into that place where life really happens. Father God, help us step out of the boat towards you, a God who is worthy of trusting and believing in. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us and empower us to do the work of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, so that many can be saved and I can live a fruitful and abundant life. Let this be the day when we place a milestone in our lives that radically states, I choose to live outward bound in my faith in Jesus alone. May this be our testimony, God. And I pray right now for breakthrough in people's lives, for breakthrough in their health, for breakthrough in their relationships, for breakthrough in in the stuff they struggle in their mind and heart with, for breakthrough in their circumstances, maybe financial or a job or or whatever's going on. Lord, would you break through and show them you are there. You will grab them if they feel they're sinking. You will call to them because you have a purpose for their lives. Would you break through? Would you heal the sick? Would you restore relationships? Would you empower them to share the truth of the gospel with those who are lost? so they could be found eternally. Lord, break through in our lives. May we live a radical life that looks like Jesus because of the choices we make. And I pray that during this song of worship, people need to come up and get prayer from a prayer team that loves to attach their faith to theirs, that that they would come up and, and they'd say, pray with me, pray for me, stand alongside me. We'd step out of our comfort zones even and trust you to do a mighty work in our lives. God, we lay this church's life in your hands too. It's your church, not ours. We're called into it. We're a family. We're a body. But this is yours. Jesus, this is your bride. This is your bride. May she be pristine more than ever before in 2021. May she stand like a city on a hill so that people could see where there's a place of refuge and life and come to it. May we be humble and compassionate and purposeful in everything we do to see people loved and reached and the hurting to, to see them healed to be that, to be that emergency room for the, for the wounded a hospital for the hurting a place of, of equipping for those following you so we can live out the mission of yours Jesus to seek and save the lost may this be the greatest year ever in our life May this be the greatest year ever in our nation's life and we contend for righteousness to rule our nation and to lead our nation. And I pray that no matter who leads my nation, that the church that follows Jesus speaks the loudest and leads the best. May that be who we are. And that's a radical choice in this world, God. We know it, but you've called us to come. So we will come. We'll step out of the boat and trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.